I see us as food safety professionals, it's a very big challenge for us. We need to keep our eyes out. It's not what we know that, it's, that it worries me, it's what we don't know. Think about it this way. Bacteria are organisms that for thousands of years have been evolving. They're gonna evolve. They're gonna evolve to the point where our chemicals, where our processes will no longer be effective. Everybody's gotta eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. We are here live at the Food Safety Consortium, and Francine and I have Jorge Hernandez, I don't know the best way to describe you, like a longtime industry expert and professional and someone who I have looked up to as a mentor for my career, working with you throughout the years at Azul and et cetera, et cetera. So, well, I don't want to talk about you. Jorge, why don't you talk about yourself? Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much for this kind introduction. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I love the title, by the way. So, yeah, my name is Jorge Hernandez, and I'm the Vice President of Safety Quality Assurance for my company, Wendy's. But you're correct. I've been in the industry for a long time and appreciate the kind words. I started as a health inspector as a local health department in Illinois, northern Illinois, Winnebago County, just towards the border with Wisconsin. And then from there, I went to the state of Illinois health department. Then I first and then I went to work for the National Restaurant Association, and then I went to work for U.S. Foods, and now I'm here with restaurants. So I've been a real bit around, because that makes me a little more seasoned, if you will. <laughs> Enjoy what I do. I'm really passionate about what I do. I think it's a, it's something that I it gives me a sense of purpose beyond just doing a job trying to do my best to ensure uh, safe food across the entire food chain. So thank you for inviting me to talk, share my, my stories with you. I love the term seasoned. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Matt gives me a really hard time all the time. So seasoned, I like that. Going to use that next time he picks on me. Better flavor. <laughs> oh, so going back to your health inspector days, sure. what are some of the craziest things you saw as a health inspector? Well, health inspector is not one of those glamorous jobs that if people want to do that, actually, you know, but it's a very important one. And they really are those unsung heroes because they deal a lot with people's perceptions of what they should be doing. I mean, the restaurants or the processors or anything like that where I work, they didn't really want you there. So it's a little bit of that, but they're there for a reason. They're there to, to ensure that it's the food that you eat, the food that they sell to the public is safe. So that, that's the part that attracts me to it. And you see all kinds of difficult situations or crazy situations. But one that is stuck with me, and I'm going to take a little bit of the first spin, is one that is stuck with me is one of the hardest things as a health inspector is come, do an inspection, and then try to educate the operator and then go away for a period of time, then come back and you find the same thing over and over again. It's heartbreaking, right? I'm trying to do, to do it right. It's not just because it's the law and the regulation, but because I'm trying to protect your business and trying to protect your customers. And sometimes that gets lost in the translation and it just, yeah, yeah, tell me what I need to do and go away. One of the stories I remember a lot is we had these restaurants along the border between Wisconsin and Illinois. 
Okay, and these restaurants were most popular on Friday, Saturday night, because at the time the drinking age between both states was different. It was a lot less in uh, Wisconsin, so people from Illinois, especially kids, would go there at night, have fun in Wisconsin, and then will come to a restaurant before they go home. So they go to pizza places, sandwich places, that kind of stuff, and be able to do that. So it was a very tough for me to go, because you had to work on a Friday night, Saturday night, last thing you want to do, but to go to those places and to deal with the people there. And I remember this story in that I went to a guy who had a long history. He was Italian. He was very proud of what he was doing, very popular place during those periods of time. And actually, when I got to the establishment, I found out that he was making this pizza sauce, meat sauce, and put him into these big white buckets. So he would make it. He had a second job. This was just something for the weekend to supplement his income. He would make them on Sunday or Monday and then make them, make it happen in these buckets. They're called pickle buckets. They're huge. And then he let them cool all the way to the weekend. Well, when I was there and he had made some the previous weekend, the pizza sauce was still warm. So you imagine the bacterial growth that it was going on for days and days, right? And, and I just figured expanding. they didn't have a lid. Oh. Had they had a they lid. They leave them uncovered, right? They, they, yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, he was trying to cool them fast, right? Yeah. And otherwise, you're probably right. They probably would be some, the some would blow off. Off or something <laughs> like that, right? So I was like, man, how come I haven't get more people getting sick from this place? And this is when it dawned on me. Remember what I said, the people who were go to these places. They uh. would go out drinking. Yeah. They would go out eating. And a lot of the foodborne illness symptoms are what? A hangover. Exactly. <laughs> they will throw up, they have, and they just figure. So they attribute it. So that's why, health, as a health problem, we didn't get a lot of complaints about this. And I think that's probably what's masking, because we have a problem here. So anyway, I said, I need to make a change. I need to do something with this guy. And I started thinking and started asking about his recipe because he told me he came from an old country. His father did this pizza sauce. It was fantastic. So well, how do you make it? Tell me what you got into it. You know, and he went on and on telling me about, about his sauce. He was so proud of it. And a little bit, you know, he was, he was causing the... So I said, look, I need to be honest with you. I think, I think you have a little bit of a problem here. Oh, you're going to cost me money. You're going to blah, blah, blah. You don't know what to talk. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about cooling and the importance that is of cooling. And as luck would have it, there had been an outbreak recently, a little bit more towards the main town, if you will, where he's been in the media and said, you know what happened to those guys? And he said, what happened to those guys was they did not work cooling their food properly. And he said, oh, yeah, I know them, this small community, and they went out of business. And I said, I don't want that to happen to you. So he started paying attention. He said, so this is what we're going to do. And I said, I'm not going to ask you to buy anything. We're going to use your buckets, but this is what we're going to do. Instead of filling them to the top, you're going to fill them a lot lower. And you just told me how you make your sauce. And after you make it, I want you to put less water. And at the end of that, I want you to put ice on top of it. Stir it a little bit. And here, at the time, I was given two thermometers to do my inspections as a health inspector. I'm going to leave you one of my thermometers. I'm going to teach you how to use it, and then we're going to put in the temperatures over a period of time, and then we'll see what happens, right? He got very excited. I did three things for him. I acknowledged that he was doing something good. His sauce was good, a lot of people there, so he had a good business. Second, I wanted to help him, right? And I tied him to the wrist. And third, I gave him a solution that he could implement. I could have run down and said, you go figure it out or buy expensive equipment. Nothing. He had to do nothing. He can use, in fact, he can use more buckets because he had less product. 
And she said, that's okay. Clean, sanitize, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I left. And by the next Monday, when I came here, I had a call from him and people at the department were like, what the hell? This guy never calls us. What's going on? So I talked to him. He was actually very happy. He said, I want you to come back. I want you to come back on Tuesday. I'm going to be here now. I want to show you something. And he was there. He was showing me very how his chart. He actually charted how long it took to cool. So based on that chart, I started working with him and making it ice, the ratio of ice to water to make it a little bit more so you can cool a lot faster within four hours at a time. Yeah, so he was thrilled. And then he, you know, he was so, so far, he went and he bought his own thermometers. And he started giving it to his people. Anyway, long story short, it was an awful situation. It was a public health hazard, right? A very big risk. But what we did is we fixed it for the long term. Right. I could have thrown away all his sauce and said, you're out of business. Everybody can't have anything tonight. I could have done a lot of other things. But the way that we worked it, I felt it made me feel like I can make a difference. And it created that people want to do the right thing. If you show them, if you help them, but more important, if you connect with them and teach them why is it important to do that and why is that a benefit to them. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. And I guess a follow-up question would be on this. As you have grown in your career now, and U.S. Foods, there's tens of thousands of suppliers. At Wendy's, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of suppliers. And, and you're the VP. So do you still have that same culture when you're working with your suppliers and with your restaurateurs? And how does that then from your past now correlate to what your culture is now in the current situation? Absolutely. So our culture is a little bit more broad in my mind. I'm going to tell you our approach. To me, a supplier is a partnership. I don't see a supplier as a vendor, somebody who's trying to sell me. I see somebody who's trying to partner with me to give me the best product with safest, best quality product at the best price possible. It's got to be a win-in for him or her, right? Whoever owns the company. So I looked at it like that. So how can I make him better and how can he make me better? So that approach I continue to have. When I was at U.S. Foods and, and now that I am here, definitely I see my suppliers are partners. But that partnership has accountability on both sides. I'm accountable for a price and for a volume and things like that. And they're accountable to make sure that they're transparent in how we can do things better. So I always look for that kind of relationship, right? It's not a transactional relationship where I'm always look like, oh, another cent here, another 10 cents here. Because in my opinion, that drives that they go around you or that they start doing things. Not because they have to survive. It is their business. But I definitely drive the food safety, the quality, the compliance issues that I need to. And then... I'm committed to work with them to make it better, faster, more efficient, more effective, and never needs to be at that. So, so it's an approach that I use definitely, and it has helped me very well throughout the career. So that story was perfect. That story was perfect because we see so much of that, you know, doing health inspections and just the people not understanding. They're not intentionally doing things wrong the majority of the time. They just don't understand. And if you're willing to take the time to work with them and to explain and to show them and spend the time, most of the time they're going to fix it. Absolutely. It's that connection that you can have, right? But one of the things that I import, I learned, English is my second language. One of the things I learned as I was learning English is, it's not what you say, but it's the connection to how they receive it. So I'm very sensitive to see, I understanding what I'm saying, I'm there understanding my words and stuff. If not, I try to stop and listen to them where the feedback is back to make sure that my message gets through. Because I just say, walk away, you don't know if they got it, you don't know if they got it right. So it's very important to do that. And in food safety, I think it's a key driver 
or making sure that you have the kind of results that you want. Right. Health inspector gave me a new appreciation for the dentist because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they did not want to see me any more than I ever. You know, people don't like to go to the dentist, and it's I like, agree with man, you. now I know how they feel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's no matter how job. much I did not want to be the adversary, I wanted to go in and I wanted to help, and I just wanted them to have that mutual respect, not to respect me, but to have that mutual respect. Exactly. It's man. Now I know how the yeah, and some of them are good, and they try to make you, you know, feel comfortable, and they give you stuff, and they appreciate that. It's sometimes gonna be painful, right? But it, but it is a goal to do that. Yeah, I, I like business like that versus the ones that you said, okay, here, open your mouth, and then here comes the drill, right? Yeah, I'll spit. Yeah, yeah I'll spit. Right? Right. Or they start talking to you, and then you can't talk. I hate that. So, as a seasoned professional in food safety, Francine, there you go, that word again, seasoned. What has been the biggest change over your career for food safety, food compliance in general? And where do you see the future going? Both good and bad. The change since I started my career till now is that technology has taken us a lot farther and a lot faster than I ever thought. Look at right now, we're looking at DNA of a bacteria and we can be able to identify it and, and, and follow an outbreak to levels that we never thought possible, you know, what they call DNA fingerprinting. Yeah. My gosh. But it also taken us to places we didn't know where it was before, right? We thought it was safe practices. We thought certain things were safe. And now it's like we're discovering. Not necessarily. They've been there all the time. Look at Listeria. Look at all of the things like that. So while it has helped us see more and better, it also has shown you that there's a lot of areas that we haven't been able to think as well as we thought through and that our systems were not equipped to handle. So we need to continue to flex that. That's such a great point. One of the great statistics that I like to talk about is when cities hire more police officers, all of a sudden they have an increase in crime. Well, they didn't have an increase in crime. They just now, they, they got you more, exactly. <laughs> and so the technology, Frank Giannis says this beautifully, we're able to see the needle now, but we don't know where the haystack is. And that is such a good point. And you're right, it's both good and bad because now we're able to genetically see and find the problem of an outbreak and also connect tens, hundreds of people that have the exact same genetic marker. And people is getting more unsafe. No, it's not getting more unsafe. Now we're just finding it. Just people were not connecting the dots for all decades. So that's that. And my answer to the second question, what I see in the future, I see us as food safety professionals. It's a very big challenge for us. We need to keep our eyes out. It's not what we know that, it's, that it worries me. It's what we don't know. Think about it this way. Bacteria are organisms that for thousands of years have been evolving. They're going to evolve. They're going to evolve to the point where our chemicals, where our processes will no longer be effective. At some point, they will. They're already evolving there. We started seeing whether they've been there or not for debate, but in other fruits and other vegetables and other areas that we didn't know there were before. And they're going to continue to do that. And they're doing that at their own pace. And the problem is we need to find them before they actually cause a problem. So that is getting harder. Against us is the change in the environment, global warming, whatever side of the debate you feel like. Things are warmer. In the United States, we started to see a lot more outbreaks with bacteria that was more common in warmer places. The crypto outbreaks that we're starting to see are, are concerning. So my issue is we need to be smart enough to know our technology, to know our food, to know food safety, quality, our systems, but then flexible enough 
to start predicting or start preparing for where the Wakama is going to come next, right? Because if we don't do that, it could be disastrous for companies, industries. You don't know that, right? But it's coming. I can see it around the corner. It's just a matter of being able to have the thinking, not necessarily backwards, but forwards. Where is it? And, and have that kind of... Uh, uh, right. context, too. Earlier, I was interviewing Tyler. Oh, and, I heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in that interview, I referenced that there are seasoned professionals that go, Matt, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from the young guys. Tyler, that was literally what uh, Jorge Hernandez said to me at a dinner one time. <laughs> I don't want to hear from you, Matt. I want to hear from Tyler. And that's good because you are a seasoned professional, but you, I watched you just really truly respect the younger people in the industry enough to value their opinion. And I don't think that there's enough of that. And I just really want to just congratulate you and say, I watch it and I know other people in the industry watch it. And that's another thing to where you're a good mentor for me and other people is to go, you know what? Younger people, even though they don't have the same experience, it's because they don't have the same experience. They're not as jaded about the industry. And they're really looking at that technology and everybody is looking for solutions. And it's good to hear from the younger people. Right. So you answered my first question. Good job. <laughs> it was about the biggest challenges that QSRs face today, and you really just answered that very eloquently. The next question that I want to ask is, what do you think that food safety, what, what do you wish that food safety professionals or food safety inspectors knew about the industry that they really don't? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so people who are from outside the industry, the, the government agents and stuff like that, I don't think that they acknowledge as much as they could or they should that everybody's trying to do the right thing. Everybody's trying to do the right thing. They just need to understand why and how. I told you my story, right? The other thing is, and this is very important because a lot of times the blinders that we put ourselves in the boxes that we look at the world with, the reason why people are in business is because they need to make money. It is a business. So coming with solutions or coming with things that is going to disrupt, interrupt, or decrease the business is very difficult to swallow. We need to look for solutions that are going to play within the business. I can tell you stories of people who say, well, just do this, just do training. And it's not that simple. You need to figure out how are you going to make it as part of the job, not on top of the job, right? Because all of the things are measured as from the business perspective, that things are done for a reason and there is a reward at the other end, whether it's making more sandwiches or cleaning more things, whatever it is to add to that. And when you start meddling with that, you're actually meddling with the business. So I wish they would be more careful with that. A lot of them put the blame as well, it's the law, is the law. Yeah, but you might get to last or you want it just to have an impact, give a, a fine and walk away. So that's the only thing that I wish people take the time to do that, right? I think they can go a lot farther to being a partner. And maybe that's the way. We're in a partner for the same thing, right? right. No business wants to poison their customers. It's bad for business, right? So that needs to play a little bit more. And I think that's very valid. And you've worked on both sides of the industry. You've got that rare experience and that helps the fact that you were in regulatory and you're now working on the industry side. I started in industry and then worked in regulatory. And I think that was very beneficial for me because I understood the profit side. I understood that they needed to make money. And when I closed a restaurant, 
that was costing them money. And so when they called me and they were ready to reopen, it wasn't, well, I'll be there when I can get there. I went right away and I understood the personal impact that any decision that I made had on that facility, regardless of what it was. I don't think that enough people take that to heart. It's not just you need to do this. You need to explain the whys. Not enough people explain the whys. So that very valid point, the whys, you know? And we have just a couple more questions that we have asked everybody. And I'll ask the first one, she'll ask the next one. But you've been to Food Safety Consortium multiple times, right? What do you really like about this conference? You keep coming back. So what do you like about this conference? And then what do you see for opportunities for improvement for Food Safety Consortium? What I like about this conference particularly is that it's small enough you can talk to people. I hear the presentations and they're very valid and a lot of them I heard them before. Rarely do I see anything like, oh my God, I haven't thought about it or I haven't seen that. But that's because I'm in this environment and I'm at a level where I do go to several conferences. But what I don't always get to do is to talk to the people who are actually doing the job. At lunch, I had a lunch with a lady who's on the line. She's a manager, and she's telling me about her issues and her perspectives and stuff like that at a processing facility not too far from here. I like that. I like being able to do that. And she feels free enough to talk about her problems or her issues and her solutions and stuff. I learn from that, right? I feed on that. Because no matter how high you are, you tend to lose the, the ground zero perception, the, the, the walking in the shoes of the one who's actually doing the job. And I find that coming here from my position, it's great because it does give me that level of, of conversation with a lot of the people. The only thing is small enough that I can talk to the peers who are presenting and stuff like that. So, so get to things, what's going on, what's around the corner, what are the things that are trying. And then I look to see whether I can implement something new, get new ideas or things like that. So that, that's the, what I think it would be. It gives me the best approach. Making it better, I just, by the same token, I wouldn't want to make it bigger. I don't think that this, because then you lose that contact. Even with the suppliers or the vendors that are here, you do get to talk to them quite a bit. And you get to hear their stories and their solutions or whatever tools they are presenting. That's almost everybody has said the exact same thing. Yeah, that it's real intimate. And when I say intimate, there's a couple few hundred people. It's not like there's 10 people here. But it's not also thousands of people, which makes it very difficult. It almost, when it's that big, it's hard to even... You almost feel claustrophobic with the amount of people there. Yeah, totally true. And then opportunities, you said not making it bigger for the reason why you like it. That would not be a good thing, in my opinion, but bring more people, bring more front level. Maybe uh, I don't know, a one-day thing where you can people from the floor. I think I'm bringing a lot more younger people. Wanting to hear what they're thinking. And like I said, I have a passion for that. I think that's important. Us seasoned folks have certain expiration date. I want to know what the other ones. I want to share my stories. I want to be able to do that because they're going to have to do that. What, what is it saying? Smart people is one who lives it and learns from it. A wise people are the ones who watch something else do it and they learn from that. So I think there is an opportunity for, for us to make them wiser as they go through it and hopefully they don't have to have some of the bad experiences we, we had to have to be able to learn. So one last question and I want to make a comment. Trust. What does trust mean to you? That's a very good question. In my mind, trust means everything. In order for me to be able to develop a relationship with a supplier, I need to trust them. And they need to trust me. 
right? If I hire an employee, I need to trust them and they need to trust me. I need to trust them that they're going to do the job that, that I'm asking them to do. And they need to trust me that I have the best interests at heart. And then we and the company are going to take care of them. I'm going to give them a career. We're going to be able to do that. So trust to me is an essential, an essential, it is essential to everything that we do. So I can't think of any other, I mean, well, there may be a couple of other things that are just as important, but to me, it means everything. Nice. Somebody once made a comment to me and it was, People aren't who they are because of where they are. They are where they are because of who they are. I've never met you before. I follow you on LinkedIn. I've had just respect from you out of what I see on LinkedIn. You fit that just based on this conversation. Yeah, you're, you're a very genuine man and it's you. I'm very impressed. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a few minutes with you guys. Yeah. Give you my perspective. Yeah. And we have some advice to give you. Don't eat poop. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you.